0: Phew! An exciting week in professional wrestling. On today's show, we're going to discuss the fallout from not only WWE Backlash, but the WWE Draft. Also, on AEW side, we're going to discuss the dramatic result of the Omega Moxley Cage match. And in the news, we'll be getting word from Cowboy Bob Orton on the status of Randy Orton.
1: That's right, Dad. And on this episode, we debut... The match of the year tournament. We're going to be starting that tournament and saying our first match of the week. After what? In our main event, we're going to be talking about our five favorite match types. All this, all that, and more on the Cross Promo Pro Wrestling Podcast. Ref, we're ready. Ring the bell. Ring the bell!
0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Cross-Promo Wrestling Podcast. The podcast that covers everything in the world of professional wrestling. Now, making their way to the mics, your hosts, Kevin and Chris Newell. All right. What a week. Yeah. And... I mean, an exciting week in professional wrestling. There is so much to cover, and we'll get started here momentarily. First of all, welcome, boys and girls, to the Cross Promo Wrestling Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Kevin. And I'm Chris. We're going to go ahead and we're going to get started here, uh, like I said, here momentarily. But let's just say we were blown away by this week. And like Chris was saying, we're debuting our match of the year tournament by going on ahead and talking about our match of the week. We're excited for this. So let this let's get this show started. We're going to start with on the side of WWE. WWE. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and get started with the May 8th edition of Monday Night Raw. It was in Jacksonville, Florida that uh, on Monday. At the ViStar Veterans Arena. Kicked things off with Cody Rhodes coming out. In his ring gear ready to in, for his triple threat match. Talked about his match with Brock at uh, Backlash. Also stated he's ready for his next chapter in his story. And that's to go after the new vacant WWE World Heavyweight Championship. But at, as soon as he got done talking, Seth Rollins came out. To get ready for his triple threat match, which leads to the first match of the night, we had Seth Rollins against Damian Priest and Shinsuke Nakamura in our quarterfinals uh, match, triple threat match for the tournament. Match time was about 13 minutes 20 seconds, and the winner out of that match was Seth Rollins by pinning Shinsuke Nakamura. Next. We had a backstage segment where we had Giovanni and Ludwig of Imperium announcing and decreeing to everyone you know next week your ring in ring general, your intercontinental champion Gunther will be uh, will be making his debut and all making all this, this announcement. As this was going on, they came across Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and was constantly making this announcement and everything and trying to interrupt Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn with their conversation they were having.
1: Or do you think it was more or less trying to get some kind of reaction out of them?
0: No, they were really trying to make the announcement, make it aware that Gunther was going to be coming in next week. Well, obviously, Sammy and Kevin Owens weren't having anything, weren't going to have any of it, and they were obviously irritated. So it would mean that it would lead to a match later on uh, that night. Uh, Speaking of matches, we lead to our next match Otis with Maxine Dupree and Chad Gable at ringside against Mustafa Ali. Everyone was thinking that Otis was going to win. He was on a roll, but then. Him getting distracted by both Maxine and Chad on what he should do next as far as a move or a finishing move distracted Otis for so long that uh, Mustafa Ali played possum and ended up pinning Otis with the 1-2-3 and claiming the victory. Match lasted about 2 minutes 18 seconds. And uh, I don't know what the dynamic is going to be happening between Otis, Chad Gable, and Maxine Dupree. I don't know what's going to happen there.
1: He might end up being forced to choose between the two, I think.
0: I think so, too. Because
1: having the two, both of them there could end up being distracting.
0: Having them both there is distracting. It's distracting me because I'm wanting to see what Otis does, and he does pretty well by himself as much as a team with Chad. So we'll see. Next, we had The Miz uh just flat out saying you know coming out with a promo saying he will be the next world heavyweight championship or new new heavyweight champion i'm sorry my mistake which then led to a, the next quarterfinal match with the miz versus finn balor versus cody rhodes now this was a hard-fought battle by all three Miz, at one point, was playing that same card that Austin Theory played at Backlash, but not as much. He actually was getting his hands dirty and wasn't afraid to do it. But sadly, it looked like uh, Cody was going to have the upper hand in the match, but Brock all of a sudden came out of nowhere, pulled Cody out of the ring, and then started to mercilessly just beat him within an inch of his life. While that happened... Finn took advantage and ended up pinning the Miz. Uh, the match lasted about nine minutes twenty-seven seconds, where the ma- our main event would lead to be Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins for the semifinal match. Now leads to right after beating up. A- Cody Brock gets on the microphone and declares he wants a match with Cody at Night of Champions. I don't know what the stipulation is going to be, but Brock seems really, really serious. But then again, when isn't he really, really serious about having a match? So we'll 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 see what happens there. Uh, Next we had Rhea Ripley with Dominic. Taking on Dana Brooke. This match didn't last very long at all. It ended with Rhea getting the victory, of course, in one minute and forty-two seconds. But that
1: was the shortest show
0: of the night. Shortest match of the night. Yeah. Shortest
1: shortest match. Well, got my words mixed.
0: It extended even longer because Rhea was trying to make a point and put dana into a submission and she didn't she that's initially how she won i mean she won via submission how Rhea did but then she put her back in the submission move as this was going on natalia comes out to the aid of dana brooke and just had a stare down with Rhea ripley that was all nothing was said you
1: think she's gonna challenge her at night of champions
0: I re- really hope so. I haven't seen Natalya go after a, cha- a singles championship in quite some time. And I think a title belt around her waist would be great because I don't recall her ever winning a SmackDown or Raw Women's Championship title. So, you know, she has, she is a past divas champion. And of course she is, uh, She's had the tag team, women's tag team championships, so we'll see what happens. Hopefully, she gets that match at Night of Champions. Uh, Immediately after, Zoe Stark was interviewed, being welcomed into the Monday Night Raw roster, with her coming from NXT, and she explains on what she's going to be bringing to Raw. She wants to bring more attention to the women's division. But as she's doing this, she sees Nikki Cross off off camera and just is convinced that she needs to if she's going to make a point she needs to make it with Nikki Cross.
1: I think she was also making a lot of the rest of the roster out to be like a bunch of clowns.
0: Yeah, and she wanted to prove that. Well, then comes to that ne- uh, to the next match which is the match I was stating earlier, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn the reigning undisputed WWE Tag Team Champions up against Imperium being represented by Lugwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci it was a pretty good match by all but Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn prevailed when Zayn pinned uh, Giovanni match lasted for about 9 minutes 54 seconds so we're just kind of waiting to see what happens with the tag team division, but right now Imperium coming to Raw, not looking so good. So we'll not see. Not off
1: to a great start with that.
0: No, we're gonna so we'll see what happens with Gunther and how he reacts to this and his men falling at the feet of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Next, uh, we saw Yeah, you know, we saw Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green running around. Having a petition signed for them to be in another women's championship tag team match.
1: Well, they were trying to mislead people into signing it
0: in the most ridiculous ways. They had Zaya Lee sign it, and then they went over to some familiar faces: Candice LeRae, Johnny Gargano, and newly to new to the Raw roster, former NXT Women's Champion Indy Hartwell. None of them signed it. And then all of a sudden Dexter appears and Dexter gives them the thumbs down that he's not going to sign it either. So does this mean that the way is reunited on Monday Night Raw? Plus, Johnny Gargano said something that caught my attention. He was talking about how he knows he's coming and we don't and a lot of people are and I'm over here like who's coming? Who's going to be, and a part of me was thinking, is he talking about Tommaso Ciampa coming back? Because Tommaso Ciampa is injured, last I heard. So he's probably coming back from injury, probably joining the way. I don't know. But I'm happy to see Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis reunited again. I mean, that dynamic was completely hilarious in NXT, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens then we have our um, Nikki Cross and Zoe Stark match. This match lasted two minutes and 29 seconds, almost two and a half minutes, when, and with Zoe coming out the winner, pinning Nikki Cross. Then we have an interview between uh, with Rhea Ripley and Dominic about what's next for the women's championship, and then also bringing up the incident with Natalia earlier that evening. Rhea... Not phased by it, obviously.
1: I think she even compared herself to Roman Reigns a little bit.
0: Or was that Dominic? No, it was Dominic. Dominic was mentioning something about Roman Reigns. No, I'm sorry. That was in an interview Dominic did. We can get to that later. But as that interview was happening, Akira Tozawa and Xavier Woods were laughing at Dominic and it led to, it's what led to a match that would happen later on that night a lot of a lot of interviews being brought to a match you know coming to a match you know that night uh then we had Trish Stratus coming out once again trash talking about Becky Lynch then bringing up Becky Lynch's quote unquote idiot daughter well then all of a sudden Becky's music plays but then Trish is over here playing that old-fashioned slip trick of, "ah, oh, I got you, I tricked you, and then she continues on and on and on. Then the music plays again. And Trish is like, okay, guys, it was a joke. It was funny one time. Sure enough, here comes Becky Lynch into the ring right behind Trish and tries to attack Trish. Trish manages to escape. I'm thinking Night of Champions we're going to see Trish and Becky go at it. Looking looking forward to it too. Next was the match between Xavier Woods and Dominic with Rhea Ripley at ringside match lasted about 10 minutes, 46 seconds. Xavier was on a roll. Uh, He's doing pretty good by himself right now. I mean, granted I miss the new day. I miss Kofi. I miss Big E. I miss, I miss those two guys together. Or, or, or two, all three, of them. all three of them together. I'm used to having Kofi and Xavier together for so long. I'm I miss all three of them because they all three were great, not only in the ring but outside the ring too. Well, that match last, uh, like I said, lasted about 10 minutes 46 seconds. But sadly, Woods got Xavier Woods got pinned by Dominic and it was of course of no help with Rhea Ripley at ringside being distracting and kind of throwing off Xavier here and there leads to our main event of the night and that is Finn Balor against Seth Rollins to get to the finals and get to Knight of Champions to compete for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship this was a big back and forth match it was a good match too a good match. Winner ended up becoming Seth Rollins. He's going to be going to Night of Champions. So at least my prediction was kind of partially correct in the end. Kind of partially, yes. Uh, no it was Rhodes a... There, um, so. Rollins was able to pin Balor. And uh, the match lasted for about 13 minutes, 30 seconds. So 13 and a half minutes. All so so great matches it was a great night uh, now we're going to go ahead and move it over to Chris for the results of NXT
1: for the May ninth edition of NXT at, coming to us from the Performance Center in Orlando, Florida the first match was for the NXT Women's Title Tournament the quarterfinal between Gigi Dolan and Tiffany Stratton the match lasted 4 minutes and 29 seconds and ended when Tiffany pinned
0: Gigi. I was surprised JC Jane didn't even show up to try to interfere in that match.
1: Kind of surprised too. And the next match is the for the NXT Tag Team title. between With Schism facing off against Gallus. With Schism being represented by the Dyad. Being comprised of Jagger Reed and Rip Fowler. With Ava at ringside. And Gallus being... Mark Coffey and Wolfgang in the ring, and Joe Coffey at ringside.
0: Now, I'm to understand, Joe Gacy was not at ringside, correct? No. Okay.
1: The match ended uh, when when Wolfgang pinned Rip Fowler. And it lasted 11 minutes and 3 seconds. At some point, Tony D'Angelo and Stax, I think they were called the family, right?
0: Yeah. They yeah. they
1: were the mob mafia guys.
0: Yeah, they were watching ringside, weren't they? Well, in a way they were kinda of watching ringside, but they were watching yeah. the match closely there.
1: Yeah. They were. Almost like they were wanted they ended up coming out uh, I think either before or after that match in the pro It was
0: some sometime after that. Uh it, it it seems that they're studying I they were studying the champions or whoever was gonna win that match, I think they, they want the tag team titles, I, th- I, now. Was, I think so.
1: After that, you had Javier Bernal facing off against Duke Hudson with Thea Hale at ringside. Hudson won by pinning Javier. That match lasted 3 minutes and 57 seconds. And the next match is Eddie Thorpe facing off against Damon Kemp in a singles match where Eddie Thorpe successfully pins Damon Kemp after 4 minutes and 57 seconds, he ended up winning the match. After that, you had Il- Ilya Dragunov facing off against j- Dijak. The match ended in a disqualification after Dijak, j- he attacked the ref, basically. Right. And that got him disqualified. Because how often do you see people attacking, going off and attacking the ref? Well,
0: that's, you can't do that. That's not how you win matches.
1: I don't. It's not legal either, is it?
0: No, it isn't. You can get fined for that. Wait, fined? You can, yeah. Oof! That happened with Charlotte. Charlotte Flair at one point attacked a ref, and she got fined for it.
1: I didn't know that. I thought you just lost the match. That match lasted 4 minutes and 26 seconds before the disqualification. After that, you had Charlie Dempsey with Drew Gulak at ringside. Going off against Tyler Bate with Wesley at ringside. Mm. Demp- Dempsey pinned Bate after interference from Gacy.
0: Yeah, uh, that Drew time that Joe Gacy. that time Joe Gacy then came out of the out to ringside. I think Joe Gacy wants to throw his hat into the competition for the North American Championship.
1: Hey, I guess that's just how the belt go trying to go after the belts work. Everyone wants the belt. Everyone, well, well. Then again, there's it's a championship belt. It's not a normal belt, so there's importance upon it. Yeah. That match lasted three minutes and 26 seconds. After that, you had Brooks Jensen, and Joss Briggs team with Fallon Henley, teaming up against Hank Walker and Tank Ledger. The match lasted three minutes and 39 seconds when Jensen pinned Tank.
0: Okay.
1: Our second to last match was The quarterfinal for the The women's title tournament For the NXT title Said title a lot of times With Kiana James and Lyra Valkyria Facing off in that match It lasted 8 minutes and 51 seconds And Lyra pinned Kiana Which means she goes on to the next round of the tournament Correct That That was followed by the main event With Trick Williams and Braun Breaker. Braun Breaker forced Williams to submit.
0: Okay, put him in a submission hold?
1: Yeah, the match lasted 6 minutes and 39 seconds.
0: Okay. And now I'm handing it over to
1: Dad for SmackDown.
0: Alright, so the May 12th edition of SmackDown came to us from the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, Tennessee... To start things off, we immediately kick it off. No promo, no nothing. We just get right into the uh, tournament for the World Heavyweight Championship with the triple threat match between Edge, Rey Mysterio, and AJ Styles. This match, it was a real...
1: You had a bunch of like double and triple moves going on. We didn't know who was going to win. We didn't... We didn't know what was gonna happen with that match. It was a good match to watch.
0: It was a good match. It's right up there as candidate for match of the week because you had you had Ray trying to powerbomb Edge from a corner, but Edge had AJ Styles in a suplex hold and ended up with a powerbomb slash suplex. It was a lot of those kind of trans kind of things that were happening in the match at
1: one point we also almost got a double 619.
0: we almost did yes we all but we also ended up having a double spear out to outside the ring from the apron by edge well agent with with the exciting match we already had watching that match lasted 16 minutes 14 seconds with a lot of back and forth from all three participants
1: we kept going back and forth on who was going to win that one. We so.
0: were over, yeah, we were constantly going, okay, Ray may win. And then we're going, okay, Edge may win. And then, I mean, it it had us on the edge of our seat going, okay, who's really going to win this? Because, I mean, they were they were really, really throwing us off for a loop there. AJ Styles comes away with the win by pinning Edge. So AJ Styles advances in the tournament. Immediately after a commercial break, we go right into the next triple threat match. And that has Sheamus, Bobby Lashley, and Austin Theory with... um, Sheamus is by himself. He requested none of the members of the Brawling Brutes at ringside. This match... Had almost similarities to the triple threat match at Backlash, where Austin Theory he was try to,
1: use the, same strategy tried was
0: to use the same tactics. Sadly, though, the tactics backfired, and it was Lashley that pulled the tactics out with having Sheamus do a bro kick to Austin Theory and getting the pin. Now, also with during the match, Austin Theory throws. Bobby Lashley into the steel steps causing a laceration on Bobby Lashley's head on the top of his head and he then began to bleed so busted open Bobby Lashley gets the win in a 13 minute one second match and now we know that it will be AJ Styles against Bobby Lashley Backstage, Adam Pearce is welcoming the newest uh, newest draft pick, Grayson Waller. Grayson Waller then announces he will interview whoever the winner is of the outcome of the AJ Styles and Bobby Lashley match on his interview talk show, The Waller Effect. So we're going to see next week the debut of The Waller Effect. The so
1: SmackDown I, version. The
0: Smackdown, ver- SmackDown edition, as it were so we'll see what happens after see what's going on with that next up we had if you remember last week we had Cameron Grimes being shown talking to Adam Pearce this was last week and Baron Corbin comes out and is like how can he be the one that was picked last for Smackdown and I'm over here not picked at all and ended up being a free agent you know a little bit salty about that well It led to a match, and before the match even started, after Cameron Grimes came out, Baron Corbin was saying how much he's going to prove how much he's more of a better pick for SmackDown than rather being on the free agency.
1: I remember thinking that was funny because he he said he was going to pin him in under three seconds or something like that.
0: Something to that effect, or he he was going to win the match within a certain amount of time. It's well, been a
1: very short amount of time he guessed that
0: he was going to win. But. Well, sadly for Baron Corbin, within 7 seconds of the bell ringing, Cameron Grimes gives him a running knee. I believe I cannot remember the name of the finishing move at this time. I do apologize, fans. Fellow wrestling fans, I do apologize. But he hit him with a move and immediately pinned him in one within seven seconds
1: he's not gonna be, he's gonna be salty about the
0: shortest match of the week seven seconds i mean th- it, it was it seemed like it was shorter than santino morella's entry in a ro- in the royal rumble and immediately getting eliminated by kane within several seconds of just stepping in the ring this is bad for baron corbin I mean, he had so many losses on Raw, and he lost JBL as a manager because JBL doesn't deal with winner, with losers. So he lost JBL, and it seems like he's going back down that slope after he lost and became, you know, bum Corbin, you know. so I
1: think he was on a bit of a losing streak too.
0: But- well, he is still right now to this day on a losing streak, so – see what happens maybe the losing streak will continue well then we have the return of the tribal chief roman reigns coming out with the bloodline solo sekoa jay uso and jimmy uso, uso and of course the wise man paul Heyman. Well, immediately we were thinking, okay, so he's going to do something with the championship belt, the new World Heavyweight Championship belt, because it was there on stage for display. And we were thinking, okay, he's going to look at it, pick it up, or do something, or scoff at it, or say something about it. No.
1: I think he just completely ignored it. He, he completely
0: igno- ignored it altogether. He opened up by talking about how the bloodline basically main-evented Re- WrestleMania. You had Night 1 being main-invented by the Usos, and Night 2 main-invented by him and Paul Heyman and Solo Sokoa. Then, he was talking about how Solo had stepped up and was the problem-solver and everything like that, you know, eliminating the Sami Zayn problem, the Kevin Owens problem, the Matt Riddle problem. But he said there was still a problem for the bloodline and he said we're having a uso problem mm. and of course he's referring to Jimmy and Jay Uso and going off on how they dedicated their rematch to him and lost and he said that's an insult to the bloodline that's an insult to you know the whole family you could have dedicated the you could have dedicated the match to you know, our elders instead of me. Instead, you dedicated it to me and lost. And he demanded an apology. And I think
1: he demanded it from Jay. He and-
0: demanded it from Jay and Jimmy. And you see Jay, they're all discouraged. And Jay, Jimmy's over here thinking, you know, okay. Okay. He's smiling and everything. That's insulting Roman immediately and starts shoving Jimmy around. Jimmy starts changing his attitude, and it looks like he's about ready to jump Roman. Jay immediately stops Jimmy and apologizes and says that they're sorry. Well, immediately thereafter, Roman Reigns then announces that come night of champions, Solo Sokoa and Roman Reigns will take on Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens for the undisputed. WWE cha- tag team championship so to my understanding if this happens Roman's gonna if and Roman wins and Solo wins Roman's gonna be carrying around four championship belts
1: if he doesn't have Solo carry one
0: of them he'll probably have Solo carry all four you know cause there's two of the tag teams and I mean the, the, it, it's I'm left to scratch my head on this. I mean, I understand he's pr- Roman trying to make a point and saying, look, you guys can't do it, but me and Solo...
1: But imagine what would happen if Roman lost that
0: match. It could say something. It could be showing, hey, maybe it isn't just the Usos. It'd be funny. I don't know, but the way that that happened with um, with the Usos, they may you know kind of hold a grudge a little bit to their cousin there well immediately after damage control comes on and bailey is guaranteeing a victory against the t- women's tag team champions that night um uh, that night because they're going her and dakota kai are going up to get the titles and then of course she boasts and brags saying that damage control is running smackdown and not the bloodline
1: oh uh, she was the one comparing herself to Rome, and i got that interview mixed up with Ripley. hey earlier.
0: It happens. It's okay. It was a like I said, in a busy, exciting week that sometimes events get all mixed up. Mm-hmm. Um so that led to the championship match between Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez up against damage controls Bailey and Dakota Kai in a eight minute ten second match. Sadly, for Bailey.
1: They lost.
0: They lost. Morgan Live Morgan ended up pinning Bailey, So things aren't looking too good for damage control either. They can't get a title to save their lives. Well, then immediately, with it being Knoxville, Tennessee, the home of the WWE Raw Women's Champion, Bianca Belair, came out to celebrate her victory and having the record-setting Longest women's title reign of all, in all WWE history. Was about to say, was about to talk to the audience. And all of a sudden, here comes Asuka. <laughs> and Oscar comes out to shake the hand of Bianca. And immediately then... The entire time, something seemed just a
1: little off with Asuka. And then it was... It, you figure out why when she shakes her hand.
0: Yes immediately spits mist into Bianca's face to where she cannot see anything. And you got refs and medical staff coming out to help Bianca, and Asuka leaves the ring. We don't get a reasoning as to why she did it, but obviously she's still a bit bitter about her WrestleMania match with Bianca and losing the match to Bianca and not winning the title, so we may get a title match here at night of champions between those two ladies well then comes to the main event for smackdown and that is the world title tournament for the semifinals between aj styles and bobby lashley now this match lasted about 12 minutes and three seconds long no inter- interference it was a hard-fought match bobby lashley it he seemed it like through. I think
1: he reopened that wound. he
0: reopened that wound during the match. And, um, I can't remember how, but he did. Well, AJ Styles comes away with the win and pins Bobby Lashley. 12 minutes, three seconds of that, you know, with that match, as I stated before. So we now have the two participants for the WWE world heavyweight championship. Who's it going to be Folks, we want to get emails from you on this. We want to know what you guys want. We want to know what you guys who you guys think. I can't even talk straight because I'm so excited about this. Who do you guys think will win this title? Is it going to be want to win? is it going to be Seth freaking Rollins or is it going to be the phenomenal AJ Styles? I'm going to put my prediction out right now. I'm gonna say it's gonna be Seth freaking Rollins because we haven't had he has not had a world title in quite some time. The last time he had a world title, he was a part of the Authority, and that was back when CM Punk was still wrestling for WWE, that and a while ago. and when uh, when Brian Danielson was still wrestling for WWE. That that was back 2014, 2015. That's how long it's been for Seth Rollins, almost 10 years.
1: I think I'm going to say the same thing as far as my prediction on that.
0: Okay. Why he, why so?
1: He was talking about it when they when they first unveiled the title even that he was wanting to that he felt that he should go after and get the title.
0: That's uh, since they since they debuted it. The the title belt. Yeah, that's right. He was the first one to look at it like that, you know, almost like Smeagol going, you know, my precious, you know, <laughs> my precious. He liked the precious. All right, so now it's time for the WWE win-loss records. We're going to go ahead and I'll start with Monday Night Raw. We've got Seth Rollins with 16 wins, 19 losses, and no draws. Damian Priest came out of that with 15-4. and four. Shinsuke Nakamura is 9-1. And, and, of course, let me remind you, this is for the year. This isn't for overall or anything like that. Otis comes out of uh, the week with 4 wins, 14 losses. Mustafa Ali comes away with 5 wins, 13 losses. Sadly, my guy, my guy, my guy, the Miz is coming out without any wins so far this year 18 losses 18 straight losses no wins
1: that is
0: not awesome
1: that's not awesome
0: that's not awesome that's not cool okay there Carlito all right so then Finn Balor comes away with six wins 21 losses Cody Rhodes comes away with 32 wins and two losses Rhea Ripley 16 wins Two losses. Dana Brooke, three wins, seven losses. Kevin Owens, sixteen wins, five losses, and one draw. Sami Zayn coming away with 14 wins, 10 losses, and 0 draws. Lugwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci both share a record of 4 wins, 25 losses, and 1 draw. Nikki Cross with that loss to, uh, on Monday Night Raw comes away with seven wins, five losses. Zoe Stark coming away with seven wins, 12 losses. Xavier, as much as I want, want him to have a better record, five wins and six losses. And then, of course, Dom pretty even there. He was kind of even there, but I'm really hoping things turn around for him. See, I honestly, like I said, want the new day to come back together
1: that would still be cool
0: that would still be so wonderful uh, then Dominic coming away with 21 wins and 10 losses with the NXT win loss records I'm going to go ahead and have Chris go ahead and go over those
1: We have, first we have Gigi Dolan with 4 7 and 0 draws Tiffany Stratton with 9 wins and 6 losses and still no draws there, there's not a lot of draws here this <laughs> is kind of funny. Uh, Jagger Reed with four wins and seven losses. Rip Fowler with four wins, eight losses. Mark Coffey, 14 wins and two losses. That record is shared by, with Mark Coffey and Wolfgang, the 14 wins, two losses. Javier Bonal is one win and 14 lo- losses, unfortunately. Duke Hudson is 10 wins and 5 losses. Eddie Thorpe is 8 wins and 4 losses. Damon Kemp is 4 wins, 12 losses and zero draws. It's been zero draws up to So this no point. draws
0: in NXT so far.
1: Unlike the next one. Ilya Dragunov is 6 wins, one loss and one draw. Okay. Our first draw for this week. <laughs> In NXT anyway. Then you had Dijak with 7 wins, 5 losses, and no draws. Charlie Dempsey with 9 wins, 9 losses, no draws. Tyler Bate, 11 wins, 3 losses, 0 draws. Brooks Jensen, 4 wins, 9 losses, and 1 draw. Josh Briggs with 5 wins, 8 losses, and 1 draw. Hank Hank Walker or yeah, Hank Walter with 4 wins, 10 losses and 0 draws. Tank Ledger with 2 wins and 12 losses, no draws. Keanu James with 7 wins, 8 losses and 1 draw. Lyra Valkyria is 11 wins, 3 losses and 0 draws. Trick Williams is 2 wins, 11 losses and no draws. Ron Breaker is 17 and 1. So that that's a pretty good record I think. Yeah. Next, next we have Dad with the Smackdown records.
0: All right, so as far as WWE Smackdown records go, Edge coming away with 2 wins, 3 losses, Rey Mysterio 8 and 11, AJ Styles coming away undefeated, 3 and 0. Oh. Sheamus 15 11 and 1 Bobby Lashley 14 7 and 2 Austin Theory 25 9 and 1 Baron Corbin brace yourselves for this one folks
1: 100 wins
0: 1 win and 26 26 losses and no draws not even one stinking draw for him
1: is just 26 losses. Yeah, that's, that's got to be the highest number of losses
0: on that list. Yeah, that's true.
1: On the and I well, mean the entire list.
0: Well, hang on. A.J. Styles has got some competition because look out, because Cameron Grimes is right behind him with an also undefeated, two and O, and no draws. Liv Morgan coming away with that win with 19 wins, 18 losses. Raquel Rodriguez 16 and 10. Bailey, two wins, 30 losses, and two draws. Dakota Kai, four wins, 24 losses, and two draws. That concludes everything with the weekly shows of WWE. Now we go ahead and we're going to head into AEW.
1: AEW.
0: And here to kick things off with AEW, Chris is going to give you the results of AEW Dynamite.
1: For the May 10th edition of A.W. Dynamite, this time at the Little Caesars Arena in Detroit, Michigan. The first match was a double jeopardy match between Ray Phoenix with Alex Aberhantes at ringside for going against Claudio. Claudio Pinderay, ending the match after 14 minutes and 26 seconds.
0: Well, I watched that match and I was like, good. It was like within the first five minutes or so. They were already outside the ring. It was a
1: lot of good matches here.
0: A lot, yeah. Well, the whole the week, team. the whole week is a lot of good matches. It was tough, but um, more on that later.
1: Yeah. After that, you had Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler being challenged by the firm for a match at the upcoming pay per view with the, the special rest. Re- special referee being Mark Briscoe. That, oh,
0: that's an interesting one there.
1: You might end up having to choose sides on that. or uh, You don't know have these special referee matches since go. Of course. After that, you had a match for the international title between Daniel-, Daniel Garcia and Orange Cassidy. With Orange Cassidy winning the match and retaining the title. Okay. The match lasted... 13 minutes and 33 seconds after that you had Chris, Christian Cage an interview with Christian Cage insulting some people and then talking about the, t- the TNT title uh, if I remember right he wanted to he wants the title
0: okay so he wants to go after TNT title okay
1: that was followed by a no holds barred match between Julia Hart and Anna Jay Mm. With Anna Jay tapping out and Julia winning, the match lasted nine minutes and seventeen seconds. Okay. The second-to-last match was an open house match, the one they were talking about a few weeks ago, or last week, but with Bandita, Bandito, Chuck Taylor, and Trent Beretta taking on the House of Black, being represented by Brody King. Buddy Matthews and uh, Malachi Black. Okay. The match ended after eight minutes and thirteen seconds, with Chuck of the best friends being pinned by Brody King.
0: Okay, so they retain.
1: The House of Black retained. Then our main event, the the steel cage match between John Moxley and Kenny Omega, with Don Callis at uh, ringside.
0: God, that match.
1: Uh, it'd be a good match of the week candidate.
0: I I agree. Wow, just watching that whole match.
1: The match lasted 14 minutes and 48 seconds and ended with Moxley winning the match after pinning Omega. There was a bit. There was some strategy use there because there was a pre-match fight, and where. Moxley attacked Omega.
0: Yeah, on the way to ringside because he wanted to wear him down. I mean, that was pretty good strategy, but it, that's the way Moxley is. Moxley is in your face and ready to fight.
1: And he put up a fight, we'll, we'll say that. Uh, and, and some of the stuff they did with the stuff they found in the wing, there was a barbed wire chair. At some point, they started taking the ring apart.
0: Moxley took, yeah, he took down the when top the term, He He, he took down buckle. the whole entire top rope. And started to beat Omega with the with the turnbuckle. Started choking him out with the with the top rope. I mean, this was a all out street fight.
1: And that was the first time I think even you have seen. That was the first
0: time I've seen a wrestler actually take down take apart a ring to use it as a weapon.
1: And then there was a bag.
0: Pulled out, and we thought
1: it was going to be one thing, but it wasn't, and it was glass. Yeah. And that that was unexpected. We thought it was going to be taxed. Yeah. Uh, but I think one of the most surprising things to come out of that match was the end with uh, Callus and Omega. Yes. Some stuff went down between them, and he, he betrayed Omega, and, and, and he got kind of stabbed in the back. With in a way, but... With the screwdriver? He got stabbed
0: in the head with the screwdriver. Omega did by Callus. Because, if I remember correctly, Omega was about to get... Ome- uh, not Omega. Moxley was about to get Omega with the screwdriver. Callus takes it away from Moxley. And then immediately, Callus attacks Omega with it. And then leaves a, leaves the cage, which leads to...
1: And I think we're going to be talking more about that next week on uh, on Wednesday.
0: Oh God, probably.
1: And now I'm going to be have. Having...
0: Now we're going to have Dad going over Rampage. All right. So Rampage was at a special day in time. It was on Saturday at 9 p.m. and it kicked off with a trios tag match: the acclaimed and Billy Gunn uh, taking on the Butcher and the Blade and Kip Sabium. Now this match had some pretty good action in it. Of course, you had Max Caster, you know, as they were coming to the ring, going off on a rap, saying that the the Butcher's mustache was was worse than Vince McMahon's. I mean, he was taking heavy shots there. He was he was, wow. So, match funny. It was it was funny. I mean, I I love it when Max Caster just rap battles people in a way match lasted eight minutes and 10 seconds and it ended with max caster pinning the blade after a great match that was such a great match uh next up we had tony storm with the rest of the outcast members ruby soho and soraya against allison Kay. Now we gotta remember, Allison K hasn't been in an AEW ring for about three years.
1: That's not a very fair start, now is it? Not for her. You got the ring rust, and you got the the team, the numbers game playing there.
0: Yeah, not not, but it's in Allison K's hometown because Rampage came to us live at the in Detroit.
1: The Little Caesars. At Arena. the Little
0: Caesars Arena. Uh, so tone after. A back-and-forth match and, of course, constant interruptions by Ruby Soho and Soraya. Tony Storm comes out of this as the winner by pinning Allison in a 4-minute, 57-second match. Next match, we had New Japan Pro Wrestling welterweight and tag team champion Kyle Fletcher representing Aussie Open going up against... Action Andretti with Darius Martin at ringside. I think it was
1: uh, it was Fletch's uh, singles debut.
0: Yes, that was his singles in-ring debut in AEW. Well, that match ended with Fletcher pinning Andretti, which was a very highly competitive match. I mean, by both men, great offense and defenses. Match lasted 8 minutes and 26 seconds. Could see... Possibly Aussie Open going after AEW's championship. But the main focus was how Kyle Fletcher attacked Orange Cassidy last week backstage and was picking up Orange Cassidy's championship belt. So
1: maybe he wants a title shot.
0: Maybe. We'll see. Next up, we had uh, Tony Giovanni in the ring to interview the Hardy Boys Uh, About, you know, what are their intentions now, now that they're free of uh, their contract. And they openly said, we want for the seeing is how this is our last run. And yes, we uh, understand this is the Hardy Boys last run. They're going to go after the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Immediately after saying that, you have the guns coming out, Billy Gunn's kids, his sons coming out and saying that's you know a bunch of b s we want we want the tag team championships. we want them back. You'd have to go through us to get them. and so Matt Hardy laid out the challenge. We'll face you guys, but if we win. Ethan Page is going to have a contract with us as opposed to how Matt Hardy had a contract with Ethan Page. It was basically almost like Ethan Page's slave in a way, you know, so the guns agreed to it. So we'll be seeing looking forward to that. Next up, we had our main event tag match. We had Dark Order being represented by John Silver and Alex Reynolds. With Evil Uno at ringside going up against the Mog- uh, Mogul Embassy being represented by Brian Cage and Swerve. With Prince Nana at rings and Gates of Agony at ringside. Now this was fairly contested match. I mean John Silver surprised me with a man of his stature able to lift Brian Cage and slam him. Match lasted 10 minutes and 51 seconds. Cage pinning Reynolds and winning it for the Mogul Embassy, which is being led by Swerve. So there's also talk that Swerve is expanding his faction, so he may be getting more members to join the faction.
1: It's going to be interesting to see how that goes.
0: Yes. He might try
1: branching out you think he's going to try getting more title belts under his faction's name? Very.
0: If order to, in order to be a strong faction, and it's been proven time and time again in history. I mean, again, I always go back to this, but you go to the Four Horsemen and you go to Evolution. You have a title and you're a faction. You're the leading force in either that brand or that promotion. Well, immediately after the match, the other embassy members come into the ring to jump the rest of Dark Order. But it was immediately halted when Keith Lee and Dustin Rhodes come out from the back to assist. This means things aren't over between Swerve and Keith Lee. So hopefully you'd like to see that uh, rivalry come out. Alright, so now we're going to go over the win-loss records for AEW.
1: That's right. I have here Ray Ray Phoenix with six and six, no no draws. Claudio is fourteen and two, which is really good actually.
0: For the Blackpool Combat Club, I'd think so.
1: Then you have Daniel Garcia at seven and eight. Orange Cassidy with a with a higher win record than Claudio at nineteen and two. Julia Hart is currently undefeated with six. Uh, Zero losses and zero draws. Anna J is two wins, four losses, zero draws. Bandito is two wins, three losses, no draws. Chuck Taylor is eight wins, five losses, and no draws. No no draws at all for the, for the entire show of Dynamite this time. Okay. Then you had Trent Beretta at nine wins, five losses, and again, no draws. Brody King is eight and two, two and O. Oh. Buddy Matthews five two and O. Oh. Malachi Black is seven and one. John Moxley is fourteen and two. Kenny Omega is seven and three. Now to Dad covering the AEW records.
0: All right. So, as far as the records for Rampage, Anthony Bowens coming away with 6 wins, 2 losses. Matt Cat Max Caster 16 wins, 2 losses. Billy Gunn coming away undefeated still 5 and 0. Oh. The Butcher 3 and 14, The Blade 3 and 13, Kip Sabian 3 and 7. Tony Storm coming away with 10 wins and 5 losses. Allison Kay, obviously, with her coming back to the AEW ring for the first time in three years. Her record is now 0-1. Kyle Fletcher, his record is now 2-4. Action Andretti is 7-7. John Silver, 2-6. I'm sorry, 10-6. Alex Reynolds is 10-6 as well. Brian Cage Nine and three, and Swerve Strickland, five and three. And now to go over the Impact Wrestling results. Here's Chris Impact
1: for the May 11th edition for, of Impact, coming from the Cicero Stadium in Cicero, uh, Illinois. The first match was Killer Kelly versus Slamovich, with Slamovich pinning Kelly after eight minutes and 44 seconds. This match was followed by Nick Aldis and Sheldon Jean.
0: Which is Nick Aldis's return to an Impact Wrestling a- ring. Well, he
1: did he did pretty good because Sheldon Jean actually ended up tapping to a submission hold he put on him. With, that match lasted 3 minutes and 30 seconds. Kenny King was at the announce table. It's like a, a guest referee, not referee, but
0: guest Guest commentator, okay. He's That's keeping right. an eye on... Nick Aldis, I think.
1: No, uh, he was there. He's like a trainer. He, he, not a coach, almost. Oh, okay. Uh, for Sheldon Jean, not Nick Aldis. That was followed by an, a tag team match. Yeah, a tag team match with the good hands facing... T- with the good hands, John Skyler and Jason Hotch, facing Black, t- Black Taurus and Crazy Steve with Skylar pinning Black Touruse. That match lasted five minutes and nine seconds. After that there there was some more fighting with Brian Myers and he attacked Steve. Okay. So that might be a start of another rivalry there. Okay. After that you had a Steve Macklin versus Rhino for the world title. Uh Macklin won, defeating Rhino. Uh, There was a leg injury that he targeted, and Uh, and that's how he did that.
0: That's smart wrestling.
1: Yeah. Unfortunate for Rhino, but it was a good strategy for Macklin. That match lasted nine minutes flat, and there was a bit of a post fight, almost like he was putting on some kind of demonstration. Uh, And Rhino being that unfortunate. I have to make an
0: example of.
1: Unfortunately. Yeah. Then you had Dirty Dango against Johnny Swinger, with Dirty Dango having look uh, at his name, Joe Hendry. That's what. That's, oh uh, yeah. Forgot his name for a second.
0: Anytime you say his name, he'll come out of anywhere. I
1: think one, I remember. I think the first time it was a fridge. Yeah. Which was I thought was funny.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I found that funny too. Uh,
1: then you, he was going against Johnny Swinger with Zicky Dice at ringside. Dango won after by pinning swinger after one minute and five seconds. Kind of a short match. Yeah. Yeah. Then you had for the tag titles, Diana Perrazzo and Jordan Grace teaming against the Coven, Killian King and Taylor Wilde. Jordan Grace pinned Tyler Taylor, not Tyler. Uh winning the match after 14 minutes and 30 seconds. Now we have Dad going over the win-loss records.
0: All right, so for the win-loss records of Impact, Killer Kelly comes away with two wins, five losses. Slamovich, she comes away with four and four. Nick Aldis, making his return to Impact, is already off to a good start with one and O. Sheldon Jean, not so much. He is now one and six. John Skyler, two and five. Jason Hotch, two and five. Black Taurus, not not doing too good for him this year. He's zero and seven. Crazy Steve is two and six. Steve Macklin is seven and two. Rhino coming away even at five and five. Dirty Dango three and four. Johnny Swinger, one and six. Deanna Perrazzo is eight and three. Jordan Grace is five and three. Killian King three and two. And Taylor Wilde five and four. Alright, so now we've reached the news portion of the show. It's now time for the cross promo wrestling news. Alright, so Chris has got some news coming out of AEW.
1: A E W. So for our AEW news, we have news about their expectations and ticket sales for the All In event.
0: The one that's at Wembley Stadium. Yeah. Okay. That's right.
1: With with Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer, Observer reporting mm-hmm. that they sold that so far, they've sold sixty two thousand tickets already. Already. Jeez. And with three months left until the event That there, there's a good chance that they could top more records wow the, the current gate is 7.9 million with with the figures looking like they could continue to top many WWE stadium events they also he also adds that with some of the comp tickets distributed the number could is out at sixty-five thousand eight hundred fifty-four, and it's configured to welcome t- seventy-four thousand fans. The setup can easily be expanded if tickets continue to sell at a fast pace. And judging by uh, the seating and everything, if if tickets keep continuing to sell at the rate they are, they might be even more limited as far as space they have on set with. With everything they're trying to do. And it can fit up to... Nine, I think it says here, 90,000 fans in a football setting. And okay. even more can be added on the floor. You know like how they do with SmackDown. Yeah. Stuff, right? even with most of their other shows. It can fit a lot of people, but they might. there's a chance they might end up running out of
0: room there. So you're saying this could be the largest amount of fans AEW's had at a pay-per-view event it
1: it even tops some WWE numbers like
0: Wrestlemania numbers
1: it just it just says like stadium events wow it, it's not saying WWE exactly but it's they're big numbers
0: okay all right well that's good to know you know I say good job AEW and and those numbers okay now, we're, I'll go ahead and I'll provide you some news coming from uh, WWE. WWE. All right. So, this is coming from Cowboy Legend, Hall of Famer, Cowboy Bob Orton. Um, he was in the middle of an interview with Bill Apter of uh, Skeedia at the uh, 80s Wrestling Con and he was asked about his son Randy and his condition and everything and what's going on he had to reveal some some not so good news uh, stating quote he's training so we'll see what happens I don't know if he feels like going back if he feels ready to go back I think he might uh, he then continued quote then again he's Pretty well taken care of I don't think he needs to And I think the doctors have told him not to End quote uh, Then Cowboy Bob Orton uh, Concludes it with saying Randy's going to do what Randy wants to do End quote So it's looking like The doctors are advising Randy You can't wrestle again You can't wrestle anymore So we could be actually looking. If you're Randy Orton fans, I'm. I'm sorry to say, we could be looking at the soon retirement of the Viper, the Rattle. You know, the Viper, the the Legend Killer, the Legend Killer, Randy Orton. So again, that's coming from his own father. Will I? I really am pulling for him and hoping to see him back in the ring. I mean, a lot of fans are, and I'm, I'm really hoping for it. So now comes a point in the show where I teach my son, Chris, a little bit of wrestling history. And if you are new as a wrestling fan or new to the whole entire wrestling fan experience and wanting to know a little bit of what has happened in history of professional wrestling, well, here's the lesson. This week in wrestling history. Okay. So, we're going to kick things off with starting on May the 7th and working our way to May the 13th. So, in this week in history, the uh, National Wrestling Alliance presented Wrestle war 89 Music City Showdown from the Nash- Nashville uh, Municipal Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. Now, the reason why this is... In is so important in the history of world professional wrestling is because it was the highest profile had the highest profile match on the card. It had Ric Flair going up against Ricky Steamboat for their third and final match for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. This was their kind of uh, what they what you would consider what they would call a rubber match. You would have three separate matches at three separate events, and it was almost like the three best uh a best of three. Best of three. And Ricky Steamboat won the first, Ric Flair won the second, and this was the match to end all to end it all. And it was a historic rivalry between Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat. It's on my. I have a very long list, and Chris has seen the list of my favorite matches. It's a long list. It is on that list, and all three of those matches in that trilogy are on that list. I recommend going back and watching it. If you know, if you're new to the res- as being a wrestling fan, go back and watch it. You'll enjoy it. You will not be disappointed. The match ended with Ric Flair winning the championship. So it was kind of a back and forth kind of thing with them. So next up in the, uh, in this week in history. Back in 2007, we all know Edge as being the ultimate opportunist. Well, he had won the Money in the Bank contract the first time and cashed it in on John Cena at New Year's Revolution. Well, he won it again But this time cashed it in uh, against The Undertaker and won the World Heavyweight Championship in January. Which then led to a rivalry between Edge and Undertaker at WrestleMania for the World Heavyweight Championship. But this was Edge's second Money in the Bank contract win. And also his second cash-in. Next up, in 1988 in this week in history, Jerry the King Lawler became the new AWA World Heavyweight Champion with a win over Kurt Henning in a career versus title match in Memphis, Tennessee. And in 1985 in this week in history... The very first ever episode of Saturday Night Main Event was taped at Nassau Coliseum in Uniondale, New York. The highest profile match saw Hulk Hogan take a disqualification win over Cowboy Bob Wharton for the the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Also this week in history, in 1995... Many may not know this, especially if you're like I said, if you're new to the fan of being a fan of professional wrestling. It was a there was a one-on-one match between Stunning Steve Austin not before
1: sto- Not Stone Cold. Not
0: Stone Cold. He took on Macho Man Randy Savage in a tournament for the at that time vacant United States Championship. At WCW Saturday night in Atlanta, Georgia Lan Georgia, sorry. The match ended with uh Macho Man winning and continuing on into the tournament. In nineteen eighty nine in this week in history, Rowdy Rowdy Piper made his in ring return after a two year quote unquote retirement at a house show in Los Angeles to take on Ted DiBiase and won that match. What had happened was Rowdy Riley Piper, two years before, in 1987 at WrestleMania 3, it was said he retired after he beat Adrian Adonis. Well, he came back after, like I said, after a two-year retirement and continued to wrestle after that. Now in also in 1988 a one night tournament for the vacant NWA United States Championship was held in Houston in Houston, Texas and the winner of that was Barry Windham, one of the Four Horsemen, uh took the title with a win in the finals over Nikola, uh, Nikita Koloff. Sorry. And that is pretty much all that had happened in this week in wrestling. In wrestling history. Alright, so now we've come to our new segment that Chris had did mention at the top of the show. It is... What is now what we will be doing with this is... We will take what we consider to be the match of the night and match of the week. And pit them against each other. Come to the end, and this will be a year-long tournament... And at the end of this tournament, and it will be voted on you by the listeners, what will be Match of the Year? So let's get this thing going with Match of the Week. Match of the Week. So, this was really somewhat of a hard decision to make, to be honest. I mean, we've been watched. We've watched every single match throughout the whole entire week to try to find our match of the week and to get this whole tournament thing going. And Chris, why don't you go ahead and announce what is the match of the week? Uh,
1: it w- it was the AEW Dynamite match with the steel cage between John Moxley and Kenny Omega.
0: Yes. We had both agreed, after much deliberation. this had to be match of the night or match of the week, I'm sorry, because, I mean, the action right off the bat just kicked off. John Moxley, he was wanting to fight and definitely showed it. Kenny Omega stepped up to the plate as well in this match, and it was, it was a lot of pacing back and forth, and it took a while for them to just even get in the cage. And then, like uh, Chris was saying, uh, with the results, a lot of weapons came into play, especially a barbed wire wrapped in a chair where they exchanged this back and forth. And then, of course, John Moxley uh, contributing through putting in glass and tearing up the ring to use the ring as a weapon for crying out loud. Never seen it. And then Kenny Omega using the uh, using it. Uh, can't remember the name of his move It was a Single shot buckshot knee Or it was something to that effect I'm, I can't remember the name of the move Because what had happened right after He delivered that knee to Moxley They both busted out Of the pa- busted out a panel of the cage And it almost spilled back into the floor And Kenny Omega At one point I noticed his right leg Got wedged and stuck In between the ring apron And the cage
1: yeah that that was definitely
0: uncomfortable looking my knee twin, twinged
1: if if none of the other stuff was bad let's be honest some of it was especially if, at least the glass yeah and and the barbed wire thing then that knee injury would have been I mean, if the goal was to escape the cage, yeah, and... there
0: was no. I'm I'm sorry. With these two guys and this rivalry that started pretty much since the very first uh, double or nothing pay per view. That's when that rivalry started.
1: Oof. It's almost been a year.
0: It's been, and, but it's been rekindled now. I mean, then you got Don Callis. Betraying John not expecting was definitely not expecting John Callis, Don Callis to out of a whole match where we
1: didn't know what to expect. That was the thing we expected the least. Exactly. If I remember right.
0: Yeah. Because I thought Don Callis was going to be like, okay, I stopped John Moxley from attacking Kenny with the screwdriver. Now I'll get out of the cage and run away.
1: Or he'll end up getting attacked
0: by John Moxley.
1: Yeah,
0: it was one of the two. Never expected him to go right after Kenny Omega with the screwdriver.
1: And now that leaves the question, what's he going to do now?
0: Well, he's going to be coming on dynamite again, uh, this coming week. And he's going to explain himself. We hope on why he would betray Kenny Omega. And is he going to be a part of the Blackpool combat club? Uh, I if mean, they'll have him. if they'll have him, yes. Who, Who's to say? They may think that it's a ruse just to kind of sneak into their ranks. I don't know. But either way, we're still all shocked and stunned by the result of that match and the match itself. So, therefore, you get the match of the week being Kenny Omega up against John Moxley on AEW Dynamite. Lock that in. And we'll see what other matches uh, can transpire from that. Now that brings us to... to, Before we go, we go over our main event. Time for the cross promo main event. Alright, so our main event tonight, as we said at the uh, top of the show, we're going to be going over our five top favorite type of matches. Now what is a type of match? It's a special rule or stipulation in a match. Say for example, ladder match, the only way to win is to climb the ladder and pull an object down in order to win the match. A, ma- a match with a stipulation on it in order to win. So we picked our top 5 and we'll also give examples of those. Is there supposed to be like an order like from
1: highest favorite to lowest favorite or is it just no particular order top five
0: no well i would say you know number one being your most favorite and five being the least favorite
1: i wasn't really taking that into consideration when i came up that's
0: okay five. uh so with that i'll go ahead and i'll kick it off to chris and have him start with his uh number five elimination matches okay why elimination
1: matches well, you don't it, like the Royal Rumble, for example. Even though that's more of like a battle royal type thing. Yeah. But it's one of those things where they kind of have there's a bit of creativity there, not as much as say a Last Man Standing, where there's. There, I remember there was one we watched with. There was a woman's one we watched. The Last Woman Standing, and one we watched with uh, Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns. Yeah. And with both of them, there you had them trying to trap each other under things. I remember that, at least with the Roman Reigns one, the ref got knocked out multiple times. Oh yeah, I remember that, some, yeah. Uh, Kevin Owens, they over here were using I think, I forgot what the vehicle was, but they were using It was some, a golf cart. A golf cart. Uh, or, or was that with the, the, the last woman standing match?
0: No, it was it was actually with both.
1: I guess, it, I think it was, yeah. It was with both. And and it was it was just so out of the they were they were over here trying to knock each other out and uh, Kevin Owens got handcuffed to a support beam yeah. looking thing. Uh,
0: but all around you like the elimination style type match like a battle royal.
1: I ended up talking about last man standing. Yeah, Owens you did.
0: I, <laughs> that's the number four. Okay, so, well we're sticking with number 5 right now. So you're saying the elimination style chat type.
1: It's simple, but it's sort of like a look look at the Royal Rumble this year, right? Right. Yeah, this year where you had people that had to prove themso- that were proving themselves going from the number 1 spot or the number 2 spot and lasting the entire thing. Rhea Ripley won the match from, I think it was the number one spot. or It, it, it was a very early position in the match. Right. And then uh, Gunther going from the number one or number two spot and lasting the entire match.
0: Right, right.
1: Which was impressive. Yeah. And, and both of them are champions now.
0: Okay. Well, um, my number five would have to be the ladder match um the reason why it's at the f- at the five spot and not the one spot is because say it's a championship that's on the line you didn't pin your opponent and if it's more than one partic- more than two participants then it really isn't a fair shake for the champion it's almost like a triple threat match you know
1: i remember uh me and you did that uh, on the game with on the, the third video person, game. yeah, and that, and I ended up winning the title thing.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: just just by sheer coincidence at that point.
0: Yeah, so uh, I can have I do have quite a few good examples of probably some good matches of those. Uh, one obviously, if you are a long, long wrestling fan, you know which one I'm going to talk about first, and that's the uh, WrestleMania 10, Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon Intercontinental championship ladder match that one was the one to set the whole entire match type of match off later you would have several ladder matches that had featured Chris Jericho but more importantly you had your three TLC matches between the Hardy Boys the Dudley Boys and Edge and Christian now the ones between the TLC matches that's a different type of match altogether but
1: they don't really do those anymore either, do they?
0: Not as much. Now, um, the Shawn Michaels and Bre- um, Re- uh, Razor Ramon <laughs> match is the one that is one of uh, my favorites and uh, ladder matches. The other one is uh, the Jeff Hardy and Undertaker match for the Undisputed title on Monday Night Raw. That one was pretty good. I thoroughly enjoyed that one. Um, what is your number four match?
1: The last man or last woman standing okay,
0: match. and then you gave your example of um Roman reigns and Kevin Owens and uh what why why at number four
1: well, remember this was like a no particular order type thing right the, the way I wrote it down uh so I, I it's just a number, okay, I just kinda picked a number okay uh, but but it's a good match, okay. I
0: think. Um, what was your number four? My number four, it would have to be... I would have to go with the uh, Royal Rumble, the elimination style battle royal match. Um, there's nothing better than seeing who the top person is to have like this king of the mountain type of uh, thing going on. You have all these guys jumbled up in a ring and... You're throwing each other over the top rope just to be eliminated and everything it's at number four because there have been several of them in my mind that i enjoy and only a few stand out and one of them would be the 2006 royal rumble that Rey mysterio won he entered in at number one or uh one or number two Wait, and, I like
1: how not one time have we provided a specific number when talking about Royal
0: Rumble. Yeah, but I mean the fact that he entered in at the beginning of the match and both him and Triple H lasted to Triple H almost lasted to the end but for Ray to win that Royal Rumble match was a big deal. He then led went on to Wrestlemania 22 and won the match the World Heavyweight Championship match between himself, Randy Orton, and Kurt Angle. It was a very good match, and it was a good match that, if you're an Eddie Guerrero fan, it was... If
1: I remember right, he dedicated
0: it to... He him. dedicated that win and that match to Eddie Guerrero. The second Royal Rumble match I enjoyed was the 2020 Royal Rumble match, where it had it had the sense of, you don't know who was going to win. It was the same match where you had Brock Lesnar that who was the undisputed uh champion or the WWE champion at the time, I'm sorry. And he was he he went in to just prove a point and was eliminating guys left and right and then you had Drew McIntyre that eliminated him. Mm-hmm. Also in that match you had the in-ring return of Edge, who we all thought was retired and can't perform in the ring anymore bounce back from being medically cleared by the doctors because of his neck injury come back and participate in the in the match that was the big surprise for everybody so i would say yeah number four royal rumble match what's your number three the two
1: of three falls match
0: two out of three falls okay
1: I remember there was a good one we watched between Stone Cold and Triple H. Ah,
0: uh, yes, they called that the three stages of hell. Okay. Uh, Why at number three?
1: Because it's like three matches for one, in one. Okay. And I remember with that one, it was a regular pinfall, then a submission, and then it was a either a Hell in a Cell or a cage. It match. was a
0: cage match to end it.
1: And the hell Actually
0: it wasn't a submission match It was like a regular match Then uh no holds barred match That's what it was, it was And like then it led to Yeah and then it led to a cage match Okay uh, My number three It would also be the Two out of three falls match uh, It's a favorite match of mine The one that you mentioned I I thoroughly enjoyed uh because it, it told it told a great story between those two you had, had quite the rivalry going they on They did because I love the stipulation that they had for this match before this match They were like we they need couldn't, to find a way to end this They couldn't touch each other that's the thing
1: That, that was also funny so. They couldn't
0: <clears throat> they could not hit each other they could not they and can come they, within distance with each other, but they but could they not
1: attack each other. The whole thing was off.
0: Yeah. The whole match was completely off They Or, uh, yeah, it was, they would call the whole match off, which triple H did not want, but it built up to, okay, I got to see these guys go at it now. And the moment came and it was, ah, it was
1: good to see the payoff there.
0: Yeah. It, it was so good. Cause it was one great match. But it was a good example and of a... just the a...
1: little ways they would mess with each other.
0: Yeah. on it off. It was hilarious. Uh, so, yeah, my number three would also be the two out of three falls match. What about number two for you? Steel Cage. Okay. So why is Steel Cage?
1: Well, I guess for an example, we got the one we were just talking about. <laughs> our,
0: our, our match of the week. Yeah. Okay.
1: It, it's one... It's simple. It's... Kind of simple I guess Because usually it's Pinfall, submission or escaping Right uh, but, and, but they escape with the other one And nobody won
0: Well see I think with AEW Though their rules are A little different, different. They're a little different um, Yeah you can escape the cage but From the past cage matches I've seen With AEW It is just uh, winning by Pinfall or submission and not by climbing out because I believe AEW believes when it comes to climbing out or getting out of the cage, it has no purpose. The whole purpose of the cage is to keep people that are wanting to interfere in the match out and keep the combatants in so what, it's a fair match.
1: What, what was Hell in a Cell for then? Which is number one. So
0: Well, my number two. My number two is... The Hell in the Cell, now Hell in That's the c-
1: funny, Hell in the
0: Cell. See, it differs. See, with the cage match, the cage only comes up to the apron of the ring. Hell in the Cell includes the outer part of the ring, of the ring of the arena floor, and you have more room to get weapons. Not to mention one of the legendary. I have two matches there. I
1: think there was the. Was it cat? Was he Cactus Jack or McFoley? And then
0: Undertaker. That was my first one. It was Undertaker against uh Mick, with uh, Mankind, aka McFoley. This I was about mankind this was it. Undertaker's, I believe, third Hell in the Cell match. He had his first one with Shawn Michaels. His second one with Big Boss Man, and. This was his marked as third one, and it was at the ninety seven, ninety eight. One can't remember the year, but it was at the King of the Ring. Um, this was the same King of the Ring where uh, the main event was the first blood match between under w- between Kane and Stone Cold Steve Austin for the uh, World Wrestling Federation Championship. But what stole the show was the Hell in the Cell match between Undertaker and Mankind. And you got to give it to Mick Foley for this, because he had a lot of heart and passion into this. He comes out of the out to the ring first, but doesn't go into the cell. He goes and climbs on top of it to kind of say, "I'm not afraid of anything." So the Undertaker comes out and he's like, "Okay," and climbs the cage too, or climbs the cell. It and it then transpires to them going exchanging blows. On top of the cell, and then all of a sudden, Undertaker... Mick
1: Mick Foley's not on the cage anymore. uh, He pretty much... He got sent off.
0: Believed he could fly, and Undertaker tossed him off the top of the cage, on down to the arena floor, and decimating one of the announce tables. And when I saw it for the first time in my life, when I was younger... Holy cow, I never seen a grown man fall from that far off of the top of a cage onto the arena floor
1: and then survive. And
0: survive it. But that's not it. That's not all for that happened was with McFly looking after that. Of, yeah. So they start to cart him off and it, this is already like 5 minutes or so, 5 or 10 minutes or so into the match. Yeah, I mean, it was early on. And we're thinking uh, and everyone was thinking at that time, okay, I paid this much money for this pay-per-view and the match that I paid for, and it's over within minutes. It it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem that I put enough money into this. So, they start wheeling him out on a stretcher, and right then and there, he gets up out of the stretcher and is like, no, I'm going to continue fighting. At this point, his mask is, mankind's mask is off. And you see the man, Mick Foley, and his shirt is all torn and everything and soaking wet. And he climbs right back up on top of the cell where Undertaker is. And Undertaker was already making his way down like, okay, I guess I won the match or the match is concluded or it ended in a draw, I don't know. And then he sees Mick Foley climb in the cell and he's like, okay, well, I guess I'm going back up the cell to fight him again. And again, they're exchanging blows and then all of a sudden Undertaker choke slams him. And Choke slams him through the top of the cell to where he falls again to the ring. And at that point, Jerry the King Lawler and Jim Ross, the commentators at the time, automatically were convinced that Mick Foley's dead. That's it. There's This man can't walk again. And that's not true. He got up again and was continuing to fight The Undertaker. But this time... Throughout that match, he had dislodged a tooth that had come Ooh. out of his nose.
1: That, yeah, that and blood that as well. He's
0: bleeding already. Tooth coming out of nose and continuing to fight The Undertaker. Spreads tacks onto the onto the ring. Mm. Getting slammed through those. And, I mean, uh. it, it. it's right up there. I mean, if you were to compare those two matches... The Kenny Omega match and the... Kenny Omega-John Boxing match...
1: uh, Nobody fell off of anything high up, but it
0: was... It was just as bad. I mean, to bust through the cage and everything. I wouldn't want to do either of those things if you asked me. The second favorite Hell in the Cell match was between Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes. Now, the reason being is because Cody had that torn pectoral muscle and and he fought through that. Now he has already said he has been asked about that match. He has never went back and watched the watched the match back. I don't blame him. <laughs> because he wasn't letting that moment define him, but I'm I, I disagree. That match showed how much dedication and heart he had not only to professional wrestling, but respect for the fans and respect for his opponent because he didn't want to cancel the match because he had a torn pectoral muscle, and
1: didn't he still win that match and too? he
0: he yes, he still came through and won won that match
1: i I think if that's if you're gonna let something define you, let it be that, that yes as as banged up as he was needing surgery and everything he still fought and won
0: agreed now your number one
1: was Helena. is
0: hell in the cell okay why why is your Why is your number one Hell in the Cell?
1: Well, the McFoley thing and and the Cody Rhodes thing. Okay, so the same
0: reasons for me. Pretty okay. much. Well, only
1: different place in the list, I guess. But
0: again, by, by how I made the list. Yeah. Okay, so your favorite type of match is Hell in the Cell. Basically. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll go ahead and immediately get to my number one. My number one is the Iron Man match. I know why. <laughs> well, the reason being why it's number one, it's an if you set an Iron Man match for an hour long, I'll tell you this right now. When this was introduced for WrestleMania twelve between Bret Hart and Had it Shawn been done Michaels,
1: that? Hmm? was that the first one? Or?
0: To my knowledge, yes. If not, please email us and and let us know if this was. Not the first Iron Man match. I consider it to be the first. Now when this was brought up. As for the main event for Wrestlemania 12. I was thinking how are these guys going to walk. Or not walk but. You know. Manage to pull off this for one whole hour. And it was like the best. The uh, person that walks away with the most pinfalls at the end of the hour wins. And throughout that whole entire match,
1: it's just base. It's it was a lot. It
0: was a lot of back and forth, and no one won a pin. No one won a submission. No one won a fall at all. It was just constant back and forth, and it was a lot of strategy by both Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Now, Shawn Michaels' strategy was at the up until that point, Shawn Michaels was known as a high flying wrestler. He would do flips. He would do kicks and everything. But that would tire him out. But that would tire him out quickly. So he developed mat wrestling skills that Brett has. And it surprised Brett Hart. And it was upsetting him quite a bit because he was getting out wrestled by Sean. But then Brett started to come back and be like, okay, I see I'm going to have to step up my game. And he did. And the match would spill out into the ring. It would stay within the ring as well. It end, and it came to the time limit expiring. <laughs> Bret Hart thinking he won, taking the title and going back and making his way back to the locker room. But at that time, commissioner or president at that time, uh, Gorilla Monsoon came out and said. We need to continue this match. There must be a winner and we're going to do this under sudden death rules. So that meant it was basically going to be a regular ma- championship match now. And it it surprised a lot of people including Bret Hart cuz he's over here questioning like why we went we went the full hour. We went the 60 minutes, you know. Why are we doing this? We agreed to do 60 you know 60 minutes. And we went to that. Now they
1: have to do extra.
0: Now I'm having to defend my title still. And it got ordered to restart. And here comes Bret Hart. Because the whole entire time. Well, up to that point when the time ran out. Bret Hart had Shawn Michaels. I mean, it was a great story from bell to bell. Of... It was great athleticism, sorry.
1: That's all right. And
0: um, I would say, I can't remember how long he was in the submission hold, but Bret Hart had Shawn Michaels in the sharpshooter for a very long time to where it put a strain on his back. And after that time ran out, and then Bret is being told, we got to continue, there has to be a winner. The moment the bell rang again, he went right for Shawn Michaels back and try to put him in the sharpshooter again. But Shawn Michaels was able to counter and recover it and, you know, get enough strength to pull off a sweet chin music and get the pinfall and get the win. And it was that much athleticism, dedication, and so many on your edge of your seat near falls to where not you, know
1: you what was going to happen
0: you you were constantly going oh my gosh how is he kicking out of all these from both Shawn Michael's and Bret Hart and then Shawn Michael's not even tapping out to the sharpshooter it it mm. it was it was on the edge of your seat kind of excitement now Granted, again, they tried to do that again with The Rock and Triple H, but it, was, and it wasn't as, and with Shawn Michaels as guest referee, <laughs> the, and it marked the return of The Undertaker, and it was The Biker Undertaker, as they like to call him, American Badass. Now, that didn't have as much, I
1: Behind guess,
0: uh, I guess pomp and circumstance or whatever. Than granted, it was for the WW, it was for the World Wrestling Federation title, but it didn't have enough behind it compared to Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart because it was the first time it was ever been done, and it was just great in ring action. I mean, from bell to bell, I recommend anybody to watch it. Definitely another one up there to enjoy watching. So. That pretty much is it for our main event. Uh, if you guys have your favorite matches, give us a list of your fa- top five favorite matches and reasons why. And give us some examples of some. We'd love to hear from you guys. So with that, we're going to go ahead and we're just going to go ahead and tap out. One, two, three. All right. So a great, another great episode here at Cross Promo Wrestling Podcast. So again, if you guys want to get in contact with us, we do have social media sites. We have a page on Instagram, a page on Twitter, we have a TikTok page, and we also have a Facebook page. We also just reach out to us by email at crosspromopod at gmail.com. Again. Crosspromopod at gmail.com. You guys can also find this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Please respond back to us by email. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what you want to want us to add to the show. Chris, any thoughts? No,
1: no. <laughs> all the words.
0: All right. So for Crosspromo Podcast. I'm Kevin. And I'm Chris. We, we gone. The Precious. The Precious.